with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brandon Maney joined by our resident 8-Man expert, Will Henneke. Will, what's up? Living the dream. Living the dream. How about you? Yeah, the same. Uh, you know, Labor Day is supposed to be a nice day off um, for everybody to relax. And it actually makes my, my work week more complicated, actually. It does. Yeah, it kind of jams everything into four days because it's harder to get a hold of people, I'm guessing. Yeah, and it's like, you know, the school the school year has started, athletics has started. So, you know, Labor Day right in as we're getting going is just always tough to handle. But Yep, yep. I feel that pain. I feel that pain. First world problems, I suppose. So. I guess, yeah. <laughs> well, well, we'll we'll dive right into it because, oh man, there were some really interesting results. I, um, I had notice uh, football coach uh, Joe Woodland send me a text on Saturday, and I, Coach Woodland, if you're watching or listening, I'm very sorry I didn't text you back. I was at a cross country meet, and then I forgot about it. Um, but he texted me and he said, "Man, what a wild night of eight man football." And I, I'm inclined to agree. It was a really crazy night across the state. Yeah, there were some fantastic matchups, some fantastic games. And, um, you know, I had somebody ask me if it really changed my opinion or my perspective on any on things. And I said, you know what? Not really. Because um, some of the results that happened that might make people go, oh, you know, the top two teams in 1A Division One both lose. So people say, what does that mean for Division One? And I'm you know, maybe nothing because look at who they lost to, uh, you know, Oakley loses to, to Kendrick. Um, you know, those are two great programs. I don't think there's any shame at all in losing by a single score to the number one division two team in the state. Um, and then uh, on the other side, Butte County loses to Cary. And we know that Cary is one of the storied programs, no matter the classification anywhere in the state of Idaho. So I don't know that I don't know that my opinion has changed a whole lot uh, overall. I think that, you know, we could dive into the weeds and we could talk about individual teams and individual matchups and we'd be here for six hours and maybe we'd find a few things that are a little bit different. But for the most part, I think there was there was some fascinating outcomes. I think we learned a lot about some teams, but I still feel I still feel more or less the same overall, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like um, the needle moved maybe slightly, but not, you know, Richter scale, not Richter scale where it's all, jumping all over the place. So, I mean, let's start with the, the big matchup everybody uh, tuned into. It was a game we had on IdahoSports.com, uh, a, a neutral site game in Cambridge, home of the Tri-Valley Titans, uh, a matchup of defending champs. Kendrick, the 1A D2 champs, Oakley, the 1A D1 champs. Kendrick gets the 52-48 to 48 win thanks to essentially the game-winning touchdown with less than 50 seconds to play. Ty Kep finds Jagger Hewitt, uh, Hewitt for the third time in the contest, and you felt like this is one of those games that whoever had the ball last was probably going to win, and Kendrick just about did that. Yeah, pretty close, and in, in a very literal sense, you know, they intercept a Porter Pickett pass, you know, 20 seconds later or whatever, so in a, in a, in a very literal sense, they had the ball, the game ended, and they were ahead, so yeah. But no, that was a you know, I was one of the people watching. That was an incredibly entertaining football game. It was, uh, you know, it it had its big plays. I was describing it to a friend as, you know, this these are two boxers that are just throwing haymakers out there. They're not kind of 
tiptoeing around kind of feeling each other out. They were throwing bombs and they were connecting with bombs. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And I think that, uh, you know, I don't think either team should, uh, you know, I think Kendrick should be ecstatic that they won. I think anybody, um, you know, myself included, who maybe wonder how they would react when they got punched. If we don't know by now, I don't know that we're going to know. They're 2-0. and They've loaded the bus and gone away for both games, and they've beaten two Division I teams. And not just Division I teams. Uh, I think they're both, I think, noticed, uh, you know, two weeks ago and then Oakley last week, not only are they both Division I teams, I think they're both Division I playoff teams, and uh, especially Oakley, and maybe notice a potential Division I championship team. Um, so, like, they – if, if Zane Hobart's goal was to test his troops, mission accomplished, and they passed with flying colors. Flip side of the coin, that was a great test for that was a great test for Oakley because the level of skill that Kendrick has, there aren't many eight-man teams in Idaho, regardless of classification, that are going to have that kind of experience, that kind of speed, and that kind of just plain talent. Um, you know, one through about 20, you know, when you get into the, when you get into the depth of, of that Kendrick has, Oakley's not going to face that every week. And the fact that they were right there, you know, let's, let's not make it out like Kendrick slayed the dragon here. I mean, they, I mean, they did, but, but they were a good team. They were a deserving team. It wasn't a fluke that they won. That was two really good football teams playing a really good football game. And somebody, you know, by the rules of the game, somebody had to win. And it, and it happened to be Kendrick this time. And I think uh, 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 Logan and, and Will Kingsbury, the two that were doing the broadcast, were even talking at one point. It just kind of has the feel. If, if those same two teams played next week, it might be Oakley that wins by a touchdown. You know, and if they, you know, it's there wasn't a lot of separation between the two. I think both are excellent teams. Both are well coached. Both are athletic, both are deep, and they put on a heck of a show for people who watched. And both of their coaches are saying, thank goodness they're not in our classification. Now they can get yes. out of the way and yes. let us do our thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, Ty Cap did what he does every single contest. Uh, 294 yards, five touchdowns. Three of them went to Jagger Hewitt, as we said. Hewitt had 11 catches for 192 yards in, in the three TDs. Tykep also rushed for two scores, so that's seven total if you're counting at home. And yep. for Oakley, let's remember, Porter Pickett is transitioning into the quarterback role, right? He was he was a two-way lineman last year, so he's yeah. you know still learning at the position also for Oakley. Well, and he made a bunch of great plays. He really did. And let's also remember Oakley's still playing without Bryce Severe, who they're hoping to get back from injury here in, in, in a couple of weeks. So, you know, they, they weren't necessarily playing 100%. And before the Kendrick people get all up in arms, hey, don't minimize our win. I'm not. I'm, I mean, you went essentially on the road. Now, granted, Oakley went on the road too. But you went on the road and you beat the number one team in 1A Division One. There's no minimizing there's no minimizing that. They deserve to win the game. It was a great game, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think both teams are going to be happy. I'm glad I don't have to see that team again. I mean, there will be uh, challenges respectively in each classification, but in terms of Kendrick v. Oakley, uh, we'll see if these two want to meet up again. Uh, they did it last year. They did it this year, and I would love to see it continue 
in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other big game that everyone had everybody talking was another game that was on IdahoSports.com. You know, when it comes to eight-man football, a lot of weeks, um, IdahoSports.com has uh, some of the best matchups available for fans to watch. And this was Kerry, a team that had just lost 7 nothing to Grace, taking on the other team or the other, you know, perennial playoff team in district five, six Butte right. County, a Butte County team that ran rough shot in their season opener. Kerry comes away with the 34 to 28 win. And this, this again, feels like a game to me. Will, where if these two teams played next week, Butte County easily could get the win and vice versa. I mean, two very evenly matched opponents. Yeah. I was, I was really impressed with, with Kerry in particular, because, um, you know, Butte County had a lead. They, they felt like they were somewhat in control of the game and then in the second half, Kerry made a couple of small adjustments, and it just got harder for Butte County to, to make things happen on offense. But then on the other side, Preston Wood, the sophomore quarterback for Kerry, he made some big throws. Connor Simpson, the, the you know player of the year candidate at running back, broke free on some nice runs, and voila, all of a sudden, here we are. And then, you know, Kerry forced a couple of big turnovers. You know, they made the plays in the second half. It was another very fun game to watch. It was a great game to watch. And, you know, Paul Kingsbury was on the road there, and he had Sarek Peterson, a former Butte County player with him, where, you know, kudos to that young man for stepping in and helping on the broadcast. He did a really nice job. But, um, you know, those are two teams that could see each other again. Let's not rule out those two teams playing each other in November. And I I think we'd all be, you know, all the – all the third parties, if you will, people like you and me and just football fans in general would love to see it. I don't know if Sam Thorngren or Lane Kirkland would be too excited about seeing the other again because those are those are two good football teams and it was another really good football game and, and Kerry got the win. Yeah, you know, Drayton Allen did his usual thing, piled up the yardage on the ground, but you, I mean, you talked about it. Kerry forced three turnovers, which were – uh, hugely important after Kerry gave away the ball a lot and that loss to Grace. They come out the second game and they're the ones forcing the turnovers. They recovered an onside kick uh, in, in the middle of it all as well, which was really exciting. And for Kerry, I think they're they're discovering what kind of team they have. You mentioned they've turned to a sophomore at quarterback, uh, Preston Wood. Now, last year during the playoffs, Carson Perks was the quarterback, and he's still on the team. And uh, Paul, uh, talking to Paul Kingsbury, who talked to Coach Kirkland, this is like a bad game of telephone here, but he, he was talking to Coach Kirkland prior to the game Friday night, and Coach Kirkland told him, look, Preston Wood, he might be a sophomore, but in practice all throughout the summer and in, into fall camp, he he – demanded accountability with the upperclassmen even though he is a sophomore he's not afraid to hold himself accountable but but also hold other players accountable and he said that's the reason why he's our starting quarterback is because he has taken this leadership position to the point now where even though he's just a sophomore everybody on the team's looking up to him yeah and then you put it back on the field again if you're Lane Kirkland you're looking at that young man thinking okay I got him this year and then two more years after that you're feeling pretty good because it looks like the position is in some pretty secure hands and carry as it, you know, as it has been for years, it seems like they just have, you know, they have, they have good player after good player after good player, not just a quarterback, but at any number of positions. But I liked what I saw from him. He had a couple of big throws to Riley Morey, who quietly had a very nice game for carry. Um, you know, didn't necessarily stuff the stat sheet or the highlight reels the way maybe some other people did, but, made a couple of big plays on defense and made a couple of big catches on offense that maybe if he's not in there, things turn out a little bit differently, but, but yeah, Preston Wood, he, he, 
he had a really nice game. I was really impressed with the way he played. And, you know, like you said, just a sophomore, you know, a couple more years of him. And now the question is, you had kind of talked about last week, uh, the big three and eight man, Kendrick at the D2, and then Oakley and Butte County at the D1. It kind of separated themselves from the pack. Where, do, where does Kerry fit into that hierarchy now? I think that they've always kind of been in that mix. We talked last week about um, in Division One, three through about seven or eight um, on any given day. You know, they're, they're a team that can do some damage. Um, you know, for instance, Grace shut out Kerry, who was moving the ball pretty well against Butte County. Now, Grace gave up 30 points to Lighthouse Christian, um, who, you know, had a quarterback throw for 400-some yards. Lighthouse Christian did. So I, I think there's there, there are a lot of moving parts there in that if the matchup is right and the timing is right, I think there are a lot of teams that have the possibility of, 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 of pulling an upset. But if you're asking me, like, let's say 1A Division One. If, if you're giving me Butte County and Oakley and you're taking the field, I like my chances. I like my chances that it's going to be one of those two teams. However, comma, I will flatly and openly say, I think there are probably five, maybe six other teams that, that very much have a chance. And Kerry is absolutely in that mix. I mean, that's a team. I don't care if it's a Division Two. I don't care if it's a, a Division 12, if there was such a thing. That's a team, that's a coaching staff, and that's a community, a community that knows how to win football games and expects to win football games. And that goes a long way in the postseason. Yeah, to me, it's, it's blurred the lines a little bit to where um, I still like Oakley quite a bit more than, than the field. But to me, Butte County is maybe now in that pool of seven, eight through two. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of jumbled up. And, and even Oakley, it's been shown now that, hey, if you can get into a shootout with Oakley, you can beat them. And there's a lot of offenses, Carey, Grace, uh, Butte County, Raff River, that have shown that you know we we can get into a shootout and and win. So to me, it's kind of opened it up a little bit more. But yeah, and 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 that's fair. You know, I I don't think anything that you said is really wrong. I just think at the end of the day, I like the chances that it's either Oakley or Butte County still standing maybe a little bit more than anybody else, but who's to say that Murtaugh doesn't come in and beat somebody who's to say that notice doesn't come in and beat somebody who's to say Clearwater Valley or Prairie or Potlatch, man, look at what they did on Friday night. Who's to say one of them doesn't come into a matchup and you know, it, it, it clicks. And on that night it works. We can't say that there's enough good teams out there that, that on, on any given night, Maybe, maybe that's their night. Yeah. You mentioned it. There were a lot of high scoring games. Um, specifically, let's talk about you. You mentioned Murtaugh. They won the annual battle for the wagon wheel. They beat Hanson 72 to 26. They're off to a two and O start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the white pine league really got going this week. Uh, you had Prairie defeat Troy 68 to 32. You had Clearwater Valley defeat Logos. 68-58, kind of a high-scoring game. Lapway beat uh, Timberline, a D2 school, on Thursday night, 82-18, to so they bounced back. There was a non-conference game we'll talk about as well between Rat River and Kamii, but uh, yeah, I think the third, so if if Kendrick Oakley was the number one story, Cary Butte County was the number two story, I think Potlatch was the number three story because we got this final score on Friday night, and we're going, this can't be right. This This doesn't, no way. Potlatch 90, 
Genesee 40. It shocked me for a couple of reasons. One, not very often somebody scores 90 points, even in eight-man football. And two, Genesee lost by 50? That never happens. Lost by 50 in a game where they scored 40. You just yeah. kind of do that math, and it's like, wait a minute, what? Um, I uh, I sent a text to Justin Podravsky, the head coach at Genesee, the next morning, and uh, I asked him, I'm like, so was that a bad night, or is, is Potlatch that good? And he frank, he pretty bluntly said, I think it's a little of column A and a little bit of column B. He said, you know, the – uh, you know, things snowballed us on, a, on us a little bit, which, you know, when you're talking about teenage kids can happen, you know, one mistake turns into two mistakes, turns into three mistakes. And all of a sudden, you know, a game that was maybe, I think he said at one point it was a 10 point game in the second quarter. And all of a sudden he looks up and it's a, you know, a 30 point game and that changes narrative quite a bit. But he also was pretty blunt and saying, I don't see anybody in the white pine that's just going to dominate that potlatch team. They're physical. He said they, they played hard. They played strong. They had two running backs well over 200 yards, or two players, I should say, well over 200 yards. Um, you know, they, and, and, and the thing that, that, that is a big X factor, and we've talked about it on this podcast over the last couple of years from time to time, is, is the stability and the coaching. And they've, you know, Ryan Ball has been there now for a few years. And before that, he was in Kamei. So he he knows the lay of the land really well. And Ryan Ball teams, even when maybe they are a little under-talented, they, they find a way to hang around. They find a way to compete. This team doesn't feel all that under-talented to me. They just put up 90 points against a, a team that I think very much has a chance to compete for a playoff spot. And so you throw in the the steady hand and the good coaching of the potlatch coaching staff. Uh, that could be a team that I don't think anybody really had on their radar, heck, seven days ago, let alone two months ago. You know, I think that was a team that nobody really knew what to expect. And now, okay, you know, I think a lot of coaches were scrambling to find that tape, to watch that tape and, and figure out, okay, what do we got to do? What do we have in store for us when potlatch comes to town? Yeah, and that could be a double-edged sword now where Potlatch isn't going to sneak up on anybody either. So they're going to get everybody's best shot week in, week out for sure. Cami uh, I hosted Raft River in a non-conference game after beating Lapway in the season and White Pine League opener last week. Uh, Raft River, one of the last teams in Idaho to actually play this year, waited until week two, not by their choice, but they go up to Cami I and get a nice 46-20 to 20 win. Tate Whitaker, uh, Threw the ball really well for Raft River, ran the ball extremely efficiently. And just in case, you know, people got caught up in Oakley and their, you know, hot start to the season, Raft River says, hey, we're pretty good too. Don't forget about us. Well, they, I mean, that's a team that's been the second, you know, it's been the last team, the last domino to not fall the last two seasons. And they've got, uh, you know, they've got some good players back. You mentioned Tate Whitaker and, you, you know, you go down the list. We could just read the all-conference list and it's, it's about half Raft River, you know what I mean? And a bunch of those kids are back. And, uh, you know, Chad Evans does a really nice job with that team. And we talk, we've talked before about sometimes coaches taking on their personality. Um, Chad Evans, and and I would be lying if I said, you know, we're BFFs. I mean, we're not fishing buddies or anything like that. We, we, we talk, and he seems like a pretty, pretty mellow, pretty easygoing guy, if you will, but he's not – the most braggadocious guy out there. He's not the loudest. He's not the most, what's the term I'm looking for? The most over the top. 
And I think his team somewhat matches that. They, they're, they're, I don't know if they're happy about it, but they're very good at flying just under the radar. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wow, Raft River seven and one or Raft River six and oh. And, you know, you, and then you realize, wow, they're actually pretty good. And, uh, you know, Kamii is a team up north that in the White Pine, you know, Kamii, Prairie, uh, Clearwater Valley, those are all three teams that people are like, you know, any one of those teams can maybe win the division. And, and Raft River just, you know, just won by four touchdowns over one of them. So that's that's one of those things that I think made a few people kind of stop and go, oh, boy, you know, they can they can probably play again this year. They're probably pretty good again. Yeah, so it'll be really fun to watch Raft River. Um, we're actually going to have uh, Chad Evans, head coach of the Raft River Trojans, on our Magic Valley prep cast this week with Scott Burton and I. Um, he's going to tell a pretty wild story about how this game on Friday almost didn't happen. They had some bus troubles, and oh, um, yeah, it was uh, a real uh, community effort to pull together to get them up all the way up to Kamii to play the game. So be sure to tune in uh, to the Magic yeah, Valley. Malta, Malta to Kamii. That's not exactly four lane interstate the whole way. <laughs> Right. So um, it's it's going to be a pretty fascinating story, and we'll have it for you on the Magic Valley prep cast this nice. week uh, as well with Coach Evans. So uh, stay tuned to that. Um, I also wanted to touch on briefly at the 1AD1 level, two more games, and then we'll talk about what's on the schedule here. Mm-hmm. Valley uh, goes in and gets trounced in, in their season opener by Butte County, and then they turn around and play Wilder, and they get a 26-22 to 22 win. This is a game where down the line as we're looking towards the playoffs and teams that are fighting for at-large bids, this is going to be a big important one, and Valley scores a big win over Wilder. Yeah, Aaron Damian had a nice game, a couple touchdown runs for Valley, and, and Ryan Jarvis, the head coach for the Vikings, has said, look, we're young. We're, we're learning, we're improving. And, and you get that, you get that trend going up, you get the arc going North and, you know, you get into October and this is a team that's competing and beating some teams. Who knows? You know, why not? Why can't it be Valley, you know, in one of those, one of those playoff spots, who knows? We'll see. Um, you know, for Wilder, it's a tough break for them to start 0-2 and to have a chance to, to pick up a nice road win down, down in Hazleton against Valley but for Valley, that was that was a win that they needed. They had a couple tough years at the 2A level, a really tough reintroduction to to the eight-man game uh, against Butte County last week. But so for them to come back at home, and they were down, um, you know, they were down at one point to come back and get the win, and then make a defensive stand late, forcing a turnover to get the ball back and seal the win. That was a, that was a big win. That was a nice win for the Vikings. Yeah, and for a while there, you felt like this was a game they had to have. Now they're 0-2. They're going to host Horseshoe Bend, which is 2-0. It's a D2 school, but you know they just beat Idaho City by 10 in, in kind of a shootout this past week. Um, so, I mean, for a while there, you know, their opportunities are, are slipping here. They, they have to play pretty well from here on out, just because we know based on District 3 overall, you know, the other results, Idaho City lost by 10, as I said, 54-44. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Rimrock lose to Garden Valley, 76-12. to And uh, the last game I wanted to, to touch on was a Thursday night game. How about Greenleaf Friends yep. getting their yep. first win since 2019? What an exciting time for them. They beat Meadows Valley 60-6 to on Thursday night. Yeah, they hadn't, they hadn't won a full varsity game since like 2012. I yeah. mean, it had been a while. And, and you know, they played some of that varsity JV hybrid stuff. And and for them, you know, you gotta, you gotta crawl before you can walk. You gotta walk before you can run. And, 
And, and hopefully this is the year for them that they kind of get things really spooling forward because they've, uh, they, they had some tough times. You know, they had some years where they didn't field a varsity team. <clears throat> Excuse me. They had some years they didn't, doesn't look like they fielded a team at all. And then the last couple of years coming back, they've had a hard time competing. They've been on the wrong end of a lot of scores. And for a lot of programs, that's a bit of a death knell because nobody wants to go out and lose every game 58 to nothing and just get their teeth kicked in. So the, the, the resilience that they're showing to just keep coming back, you know, they played, they played Hagerman in the opener and it didn't go great, but then they turned around and they went on the road to Meadows Valley and, and they got it done. Now they got a little bit of assist in that Meadows Valley was they were forced to play a large portion of that game with just seven kids due to injuries uh, but I don't think there are too many people in Greenleaf that are going to be, you know, issuing any apologies. Yeah, I mean, that's not something they can control. <laughs> All they can control is what what they go out and do. So um, and, and then notice to me still clearly the class of, of District 3. They beat Council 58-32. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carter Woodland, 307 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Benny Guevara. 120 uh, yards and three touchdowns passing. So again, until somebody beats notice, um, they are the best team in district three. And and again, might be the only team from district three that we see in potentially. the playoffs. Yeah, potentially. potentially. And, and it's, if you're a notice fan, um, the good news is not only that Carter Woodland ran for 307 yards, but <clears throat> sorry, fighting through it here. No, not only all right. did Carter Woodland run through for 307 yards, but he carried the ball 20 plus times. Last week against Kendrick, uh, Joe Woodland, the head coach, said, "Yeah, we we kind of had to we kind of had to monitor him a little bit. He's been coming back from a little bit of an injury, and we didn't want to tweak it right out of the gates. So the fact that he apparently got through that first test against Kendrick, okay, and he probably had a half a dozen, you know, eight maybe eight-ish carries, played a lot of the game at defense, but it was mostly straight north and south, not a lot of side to side." The fact that he came out the next week against Council, who's a good team, and got, I want to say it was 23 carries and turned it into over 300 yards, that's a really, really good sign for notice that that, that he's just about, if not at full go, pretty close to full go. And that could potentially make notice a, a dangerous team because he's not only a very good running back, he's just a good player all around. And you put him in on defense as, as a full go with some of the other pieces that uh, that they have there on on their defense that you know they they could be a factor they can be a factor if they're healthy you want to see how good notice is just tune into idahosports.com this friday as the pirates host clearwater valley in a non-conference matchup we'll have it for you friday night uh six o'clock kickoff it looks like from notice uh on idahosports.com it's gonna be an exciting game will it is and the thing that's nice for me is is uh you know unless Something changes here in the next couple of days. I'm going to be there with with uh, I believe Lucas uh, Gebhardt's going to be there with me, and I've already seen both of those teams. Which it's and this is something. This is kind of a side story, but go with me on this. And you can certainly speak to this when you're seeing the team for the first time and you don't really know what you're watching or what you're looking for. You're reacting a lot as a broadcaster, which I mean, don't get me wrong, it's fine. Our crews do a phenomenal job of that. But when you've seen a team. And you have an idea of what you're looking for and you have an idea of what you're watching and what you think you're going to see. It, it makes your, it makes it a lot easier and it makes the broadcast that much better. And, and, you know, you got Carter Woodland for notice, but on the other side, you got 
Bass Myers, who, you know, all he did was run for 250 yards and had, you know, 10 plus tackles in, in their game last week too. So um, that's, that's one of the games that I had circled on my little list that maybe it doesn't have the quote unquote star power of a Prairie or an Oakley or someone like that. But it's a game that, especially when you're talking about, you know, these max preps, you know, magical poof, fairy dust rankings, a win over, if you're notice, a win over Clearwater Valley, or if you're Clearwater Valley, a win over notice is going to help a lot when it comes to play a potential playoff positioning. Yeah, it's going to be um, a fantastic battle. I did get a, an email from a fan up in Kuski where uh, Clearwater Valley is. We, we were talking about uh, Louis Fabby, and I was like, oh, man, they, they had uh, Anthony Fabby last year, and now they got another one. Well, it's the same guy I found out, <laughs> same player. Uh, he's just been called Louis since he was a little kid and oh. just decided to put that on the roster this year. So Fair enough. Fair yeah, enough. I, I thought I thought, it was a, I thought there was a Fabby that had graduated a year or two ago, but who knows? Yes. So same, I will trust <laughs> I will trust the person who contacted you. I'm not a, you know, I'm not on the the, the Fabby uh, Christmas card list, unfortunately. Yeah. So say, same person. So that yeah, that threw me for a loop, and I emailed her back. I said, "Hey, thanks. This is why we love yes. fan interaction because we yes. don't know these things sometimes." So yeah, Louis Fabby, uh, great quarterback for Clearwater mm-hmm. Valley. Um, other White Pine League games going on. Uh, Camii will be at Logos. Uh, you also have uh, Potlatch at Prairie and Genesee at Troy. Uh, Potlatch at Prairie now becomes the most intriguing matchup up there, right? It does. Prairie bounced back with a with a nice win. Trenton Lawrence had a nice game. They went to uh, uh, Colton uh, Colton McElroy at quarterback. They switched McElroy and Hines from quarterback and receiver, and McElroy threw four touchdown passes. And you know, Fabby had in there. I'm sorry, Fabby uh, Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence had a great game as well at running back. So they bounced back from their tough opening week against, against Oakley and, and, and looked kind of what we thought they would look like. So now you got them and then you got Potlatch who looked fantastic last week and they clash head to head. And I think that we'll learn a lot about the white pine, not just Potlatch, not just Prairie. We'll learn a lot about the white pine by keeping an eye on that game. Definitely. So a lot of good D1 stuff going on this week. You can see all the schedules at idahosports.com. Let's dive into the D2 ranks quickly. Kendrick, of course, uh, got that big win over Oakley. Um, the next biggest story to me was the rematch. Camas County going to North Gem and a rematch of that first round playoff game from a year ago. And the Mushers might be for real. They beat North Gem 60 to 6. That doesn't happen very often. They dominated them too. I mean, 60 to 6, it wasn't even really that close. It was 50, I think it was 50 to nothing at halftime. And, you know, Camas County went down there and and we were curious to see if they could put it on them. And they they very much did. You know, Corey Hatch teams do not necessarily get fed like that all that much, but give a lot of credit to Camas County and the thing that that I like when I look at them is it's, it's not, um, it's not a one trick. It's not a one trick show. They've got a lot of different kids contributing in a lot of different ways. Um, the Smith brothers, and then the, the third Smith, the cousin Cody, um, who's contributing, especially on defense. They, they've got a little bit of depth. They've got a lot of speed and, you know, with each passing week, that that light that's shining on them is going to get a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter, and they're going to have a chance. They're going to have a couple of big matchups. They're in the same they're in the same division, same conference, I should say. 
is Castleford, who looks good again. And they're also in the same uh, league as Dietrich, who I think is very good and has looked good through two games as well. So, you know, you, you say a lot of times, just give me that chance. Camus is going to have that chance. And I don't, I think people would make a mistake if they discounted them because, oh, Camus usually isn't that good. They're usually not that good. They're pretty good this year. I don't think anybody can argue that. Yeah, you mentioned the versatility. Troy Smith was the leading rusher, 107 yards and two touchdowns. He also returned a punt for a touchdown. Um, Tyson Tupper, Sage Patton, Cody Smith also scored rushing touchdowns. And then even defensively, two weeks in a row, the defense has really shown up. Uh, yeah. Cody, or excuse me, Troy Smith returned an interception for a touchdown. Aiden Freeman returned a fumble for a score. So, yeah, while the offense is impressive through two weeks, that Musher's defense has been pretty solid as well. And it's and it's that it's that quickness, frankly. And talking to some people who have who've attended their games and watched them, it's they're just they're just flat out pretty fast. And you're not going to beat them around the corner. And you know maybe there's a little bit of a hole there. Maybe the guard gets a good push on the defensive tackle or something. And you think there's a hole there, but then boom, there's a linebacker and a safety right there waiting to fill that gap. And what you think is going to be a ten run, ten yard run, is all of a sudden a two yard run. So when you're talking about eight man football. Speed can cure a lot of ills, and and Camas County seems to have that. With you know their their cup floweth over, if you will. They're a very uh, very quick team. The other uh, team that's got a lot of speed. You mentioned him, Dietrich. They shut out Glens Ferry fifty six nothing. How about this efficiency? Peyton Snedden carried the ball five times. He ran for one hundred and twenty five yards and three touchdowns. Three of his five carries went for went for six. Um, and and then Cody Power. Only threw three passes, but he completed all three for seventy-two yards and a touchdown. I mean, it's very impressive. Yeah, I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't too shocked that Dietrich won that game. The spread shocked me a little bit because I think Glens Ferry is a decent football team, and so for Dietrich to go up there and just you know top turnbuckle elbow drop him, that surprised me a little bit. And and that again, maybe I'm the only one carrying the Dietrich banner right now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm off on an island here somewhere, but, but I, I like that team a lot. And you mentioned the two kids in particular uh, in power and Sned, and I think are both extremely talented playmakers. And, you know, you get into an eight-man game, sometimes you can scheme for one. It's hard to scheme for two. Um, and then you get some of these other teams like Kendrick where, you know, it feels like you're scheming for 12. <laughs> you know, it's it's – uh, somehow figuring out how you're going to stop the entire town of Kendrick. Um, so, but Dietrich has, I think, two of the better players in 1A Division II in those two, and I think that they're going to be a handful for just about anybody they would face. Definitely. Uh, Rockland bounces back and beats Chalice Mackey 43-8. to um, We talked about Council, the preseason favorite in district three they lose to notice 58 32 no shame there and then horseshoe bend wins in a shootout over idaho city 54 44 horseshoe bend 2 and 0 and i i still kind of like horseshoe bend just slightly over council but it's splitting hairs at this point yeah i think those are i think both those teams and i think garden valley will be uh with tacoma kelly they'll be tough to deal with tri valley i think will is not going to be a pushover this year but yeah you look at you look at Horseshoe Ben, Kalen Jones, Blaine Meyer. Those are, you know, scheme for one, hard to scheme for two. And um, you know, if they're able to if they're able to to win some battles at the line of scrimmage with those two pick and holes, there are going to be some big time gash plays to be had. And and they're going to be they're going to be in the mix. You know, I it'll be 
you know, it'll be, I, I expect them to be playing in November if they're healthy and how deep they go probably depends on how well they're able to, how, how well they're able to do at the line of scrimmage as far as creating some running lanes for, for their offensive skill players. Yeah, and then Tri-Valley is another team that you're uh, kind of bullish on this year. They go up and play Lewis County. They played that game in Nez Perce. Um, Lewis County wins 34-16, to but you know Lewis County is a really good team. They're going to be fighting for a playoff spot, yeah. and again, for Tri-Valley, I thought it was, it was an impressive showing. Well, the thing that's nice for Lewis County is they're, I mean, they're playing with house money. That whole that whole White Pine Division Two White Pine League is playing with house money because every all eyes are on Kendrick. So all those teams, Timberline, Lewis County, Deary, they can all just kind of, you know, bide their time and figure things out and and not have a whole lot of attention on them. But Lewis County has one of the, the classifications better all around athletes in in Ty Hambly and and Gage Crow, and they got some other kids who can definitely play there and they're you know they're they're competitive scrappy bunch and and they're they're not going to be easy you can't just get off the bus and expect to win by three touchdowns against them and so you know tri-valley showing up and uh you know giving them a bit of a tussle and then lewis county figuring it out and getting a win i think speaks well <laughs> and and coach monty madrell always cracks me up he's a he's a quote machine um in the Lewiston Tribune, they had a nice write-up of the game, and uh, here's what Coach Madrell had to say. It was hotter than the surface of the sun, got a little sloppy in the second half. <laughs> oh, I, I and I don't doubt that. You get into some of those eight-man games where you don't have as much depth, you don't have as many guys, period, and you get into the third or fourth quarter, and once those crab cramps start to show up, I mean, you know, cramps don't just go away. You don't just have a little cramp in your calf for a few seconds and then okay, it's all better now, you know, that those things can linger a little bit. And it was, it was hot. It was hot last weekend for sure. And so I'm, I don't doubt for a second that it, it was a little bit, a little bit tricky um, as, as that one wore on. Definitely. Another uh, gem of a quote from coach Madrelli credited the, uh, the Eagles offensive and defensive linemen. Uh, they quote did business. <laughs> so uh, I, I just, I love coach Madrelli. He's a quote oh, machine. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. What else happened in the D2 ranks? Um, way up north in the uh, North Star League, we had the big showdown with Mullen St. Regis and Clark Fork. Um, Mullen St. Regis gets the win 60 to 42, but you know, Wampus Cats put up 42. That doesn't happen a ton to Mullen St. Regis. No, they're and, and Clark Fork, they're they're consistently in, in the past few years, they've been robbing to uh, Mullen St. Regis's bat. They've been that they've been that somewhat sidekick right there that maybe you don't know much about because the classification the league only gets one team into the playoffs, but they're generally a pretty a pretty competitive football team. And then you throw Wallace into the mix this year, and then Wallace and Clark Fork play this week. I think we'll learn a lot about the the North Star this week based on that matchup. But um, you know, I think that the, the reason that people maybe don't know a ton about Clark Fork is again just because. Only one team goes, and for the last few years, that one team has been Mullen St. Regis, and deservedly so. Um, Stetson Spooner and his team have been fantastic the last few years, and they look like they have another pretty good squad again this year. But this year, two teams will go. So assuming, uh, I think that I think that we all believe there's a pretty good chance Mullen St. Regis is going to be the the number one team that comes out of that league, although, you know, you got to play the games. Um, who's number two? Is it Clark Fork? Is it Wallace? Um, 
you know, is it Lakeside? Does Lakeside get hot? Do they do they come in hot? Do they get going? I mean, it's hard to say. But um, who is that? Who is who's Robin going to be this year? And and Robin's going to get a chance. You know, he's actually going to get a, a line in the dialogue this year because he'll actually get to go to the playoffs. Oh, that's a great analogy. You got me cracking up here. Um, Wallace did beat Lakeside fifty six to fourteen. Uh, this past Friday, and you're right, this Wallace-Clark Fork game is going to mean so much uh, this year. Um, the, the last game up north I wanted to touch on was Deary. Uh, they pitched a shutout over Kootenai, 78 to nothing. This was another game where Kootenai had to finish the contest with, with seven guys, basically, and it's just untenable in eight-man football when the numbers are, are so razor-thin that if one guy gets hurt or one guy leaves, all of a sudden you're playing with seven. Yeah, and 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 you've seen you've seen teams that can try it for a few plays. Maybe they maybe they do it for a week, like in Meadows Valley. I talked to Jared McElvain, the head coach up there, and he's like, "Yeah, we played a lot of the game with seven. We played part of the game with six, but we're expecting you to get a couple of kids back for next week." So, can you kind of bite your tongue and 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 take your whooping if you play six on eight for a week? Mm, yeah, you don't like it, but you can do it. Where it gets untenable is, okay, we've got nine kids and kid X is out three weeks because he has injury Y. Okay, so for three weeks, you you don't have a small margin for error. You have no margin for error. And and that's where things get kind of tricky. And that's where uh, Kootenai this year, they, you know, had nine, ten kids out um, and, and – uh, head coach Fiverr was saying, you know, we've got a couple of junior high classes on the way that'll help bolster our numbers. We've just got to get to them. And they're, they're not quite there yet. And you just hope that, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, the scene from the movie where the, 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 the star that you're really rooting for is just kind of holding on to the, you know, the, the edge of the, the ladder or whatever it is, try just trying to hold on. And you really want to see him hold on. And as long as he can hold on, he'll be okay. And then with with Kootenai, with with Meadows Valley, with Greenleaf, with all these teams that have had trouble with numbers over the years, you just you really want to see him be able to hold on. You want to see him stay in the game. Uh, you don't want to see the program. You don't want to see the program have to close its doors. Yeah, uh, and and they have a lot of freshmen. So you know, the hope is that you know, if they can just get a couple players that they can build around this this group for the next four years. And they got a couple. Riley yeah. Osman, the freshman quarterback there, uh, Coach Pfeiffer at Kootenai's like he's got a chance to be a good one. But you know, the only way you can be a, a good high school quarterback is to have a high school team to play for. Um, and so you know, I know that there are a lot of people, and this that Kootenai's a program for those of you that don't know. For a lot of years, they were the team in North Idaho. Um, they were the team until Mullen St. Regis won a game. Uh, was it last year? Was it two years ago? They won a playoff game. Um, Kootenai was the last team out of the North Star to win a playoff game, and it, it was like 10 years ago. Uh, it had been a while, period. They used to be a really, really good program, but you know the numbers in the area have kind of faded down a little bit. The enrollment in the school has faded down a little bit, and they've just they've had a tough time. Um, you know, finding enough kids that that want to go out and play football. And that's unfortunate because there is a history there. There is a, a positive history. There is a there is a legacy that can be built on. And, you know, I, I, I want to see the Warriors continue to build on that because it's a it's been a good program in the past. And 
if you know, I think that they they hopefully have the right people in place. That if they can if they can just you know just get a few more kids out there, and it sounds like they're coming. You know, it's it's they're holding on to that bottom rung of the ladder, and they're just waiting for somebody to reach over and grab their hand and pull them up. And and if that can happen, if that can happen, which uh, I think it has a chance to happen, I think that they can get they can get back to where they were, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, well, we're sure pulling for uh, for Kootenai and, and getting that program back up and, and running. So um, we'll keep an eye on that situation. Okay, there's a couple of games I want to highlight on the schedule for the 1A D2 ranks this week that are pretty intriguing to me. Uh, Butte County is going to travel to Water Springs to take on the Warriors. Now, the Warriors are 2-0. and Butte County's 1-1, and but I think uh, Butte County probably the favorite going into that matchup. Yeah, I think so for sure. But I think it gives Drew Plocker the the all everything player for Water Springs. I think that this gives him a pretty big platform to really make a statement. Um, you know, 500 yards rushing or something like that over two games, and he's probably averaging 10 plus tackles a game, returns kicks, you know, changes light bulbs in the scoreboard, checks the hamburgers at halftime to make sure everybody has food. He does a little bit of everything for him, and he's a fantastically talented player. And this. If he can go out there and he can put up some big numbers against Butte County, people are going to really take notice. Uh, and, and you know, can they win the game? You know, I mean, that's why they play. That's why they line it up and kick them off. I don't know. But I know that if, if Water Springs wants to stay in the game, they need a big game from Plocker. If they don't get a big game from Plocker, they're not going to be in it. The next matchup I want to touch on is Butte County's biggest competition, Grace. They are going to travel to Castleford, a battle of 2-0 and o teams. This is an intriguing one to me. Castleford didn't play last week. Uh, Grace got the, the one-score win over Lighthouse Christian. How do you think this one goes? Well, I mean, Grace is 2-0, and o, and they've, uh, you know, they've beaten two pretty decent football teams. You know, Carey's a pretty good team, um, and, and Lighthouse Christian, I think, is a pretty good football team. This uh, will be another pretty good football team. And so the question is, does, does Grace, you know, are they able to get a buy with one score or two scores or do they need 40 plus to win the game? And uh, Castleford is, is always a little bit of a uh, intriguing start of the year that, you know, they kind of keep things under wraps pretty good there in Castleford. So until you get a chance to watch them, you don't always know fully what they're going to bring to the table. But I think we, we know from what we've seen in the past and what we saw in their first game that this is a team that's going to be tough to handle. They're going to be a pretty good team, and I expect this to be another. You know, this could be the third time in three games that Grace has played a one-score game, and the question is, are they going to be one score up or one score down? Right, and I should say Castleford's 1-0 on the season. I said 2-0, I misspoke, but they're 1-0 with that win over Chalice Mackey in week one. Um, how, how about this one? You missed one. Cascade, what's that? Cascade Meadows Valley. Yeah, that's going to be a somebody's going to get their first win. Somebody's right? going to get their first win in a long time. Someone's going to get their first win in a long time. And if if I had if I had the time and the ability to be there, I would like to go watch that game. I would really like to go watch that game because I think both those teams know this is a chance to get a win. And it's it's a very legitimate chance for one of those well one of them's going to get a win. But both of them have every reason to feel like going into the game. Okay, let's go get a win today, fellas. Let's go get a win. And I'm really, really interested to see which team it is. Yeah, Cascade dropped a close one to Salmon River, 26 to 16. So the Ramblers have to be feeling good about where they're at heading into that matchup. But you're right, that's going to be intriguing for uh, a different reason. 
for sure. Um, the last two games I wanted to touch on, uh, also in District 3 Council, they're going to make the trip up to Lewis County, a, a team that's uh, 2-0, and and for the second week in a row, they're welcoming in somebody from District 3. Yeah, be good matchup there. Good matchup there. Two good football teams. Um, it's it's going to be fun to see how that one plays out, and it's going to be fun to see what uh, Coach Madrell has to say afterwards. And uh, the last uh, matchup, yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see what Coach Madrell has to say. Uh, the last matchup is going to be Rockland Dietrich in Dietrich. I'm not going to ask you who's going to win, but over under a hundred points combined oh, between the two teams. I'll give me the over on that one. <laughs> that I think that that has that has a chance. And we saw a couple of games this week uh, or this past week. You know, uh, Clearwater Valley Logos was you know 68-58 or whatever it was. This game feels like it could be somewhere in that in that range, especially if um, if Dietrich isn't able to to get pressure on on Rockland's quarterback and and Gavin Perman's able to just kind of drop back and let his routes develop and then throw to open receivers. That that could just be a just up down. That that could be that could be a really high scoring football game. That's the kind of game that's bad for me as a broadcaster because I'm bad at the math on the fly and everybody's scoring. Oh, that was a 74-yard touchdown and this was a 67-yard touchdown and I'm still adding up the numbers and somebody else is scoring. And yeah, I tend to get up. excited and then by the middle of the third quarter, I can't talk anymore because my my throat's worn out. Right. <laughs> so uh, Rockland at Dietrich, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that one as well. going to be a lot of great eight-man games across the board this week, Will, um, and we'll break it all down again uh, next week on another edition of the Idaho Eight-Man Prepcast. Have fun in notice for that contest with Clearwater Valley. I will do what I can. Have fun uh, whatever game you're working. I'm going to be in Pocatello, uh, the their brand-new stadium. Uh, on campus, correct? Uh, so, so it's at the middle school, but oh, okay, it is. Okay. It is Pocatello's own. They're no longer sharing facilities with Highland, mm -hmm. but it's going to be really exciting. Brand new Lookout Stadium, East Idaho, uh, Gate, Gate City Game Night on IdahoSports.com. They will welcome nice. in Twin Falls. So Very cool. Pretty fun game. So, All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in, 8-Man Aficionados. We'll be back to break it all down again next week. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in to the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.